You're listening to the DMZ Movers and Shakers podcast, the podcast for entrepreneurs by the world-leading tech incubator, the DMZ. In this podcast, each episode brings in the movers and shakers of the world to cover leadership mentality, tips for business owners, and much, much more. So without further ado, let's get into it. Here's your host, Canada's leading podcaster, CPA and business strategist, Robert Gold, managing partner at Bennett Gold LLP. Once again, from the 33rd floor of the Movers and Shakers Podcast Center in Toronto, live and in the morning, we're way off to the west. I can see Snowflake, Manitoba. I'm Robert Gold, Managing Partner of Bennett Gold LLP, Charter Accounts and CPAs in Toronto. Today, this is going to be a great show. Kevin Krieger is with us. Kevin is the president of the Toronto Regional Real Estate Board. We know it as TREB, and he's a member of the TREB Innovation Committee. Kevin, welcome to the Movers and Shakers Podcast. Thanks so much, Bob. Kevin's background is really interesting. He's an experienced real estate broker with Royal LePage Johnson & Daniel in Toronto. What amazes me is he's been involved in more than $1 billion in real estate transactions. And talk about young guns. In 2015, Kevin was selected by Real Estate Professional Magazine as just that, one of the industry's young guns, representing the top 100 realtors in Canada under 35. Kevin this year was named president of the Toronto Regional Real Estate Board, TREB, a not-for-profit organization representing, believe it or not, 62,000 realtors in the greater Toronto area. Kevin, this is really going to be fun. Is there really 62,000 realtors in the greater Toronto area? There most definitely is. Why is that? I think real estate's a business with a lot of opportunity for a range of people. It has sort of low barrier to startups. And I think people from a vast sort of array of backgrounds look to it as a second or third career in many cases. And I think that's a good way to put it because I know that a lot of real estate professionals really approach it as a part-time career, yet it's really the pros that we tend to focus on as we get into our conversation on tech in the real estate industry, I think. Kevin, tell us a little bit more about your journey through the real estate industry and how you ended up being the president of TREB. I started in real estate, I was licensed January 7, 2011 and started as a sole practitioner working almost exclusively in residential resale, so representing individual buyers, sellers, landlords, and tenants. Built my business largely through my sphere of influence, people I knew and people who knew people I knew, and their referrals to you know, friends, clients, family members, what have you. And I really focused on services, the goal. So I definitely see real estate as an advisory-based business, I very quickly got my broker's license, not because my intent was ever to open a brokerage, but just so I could stop calling myself a salesperson and really move the conversation more to the advisory side. A lot of the clients who I've worked with have been clients from the very beginning and you know the relationships have been long-term. I've certainly represented people in their first purchase, uh, whether it be investment or the very first home, and have represented clients you know, throughout their real estate and life journey. In terms of my involvement with organized real estate, I got involved at TREB uh, through a recommendation from Diane Usher, who's very well known in our industry. She suggested that you know, getting more involved and giving back and understanding the business from the inside uh, was really important. So I volunteered on originally the Government Relations Committee at the Toronto Regional Real Estate Board. I also sat on committees at the Ontario Real Estate Association, the Canadian Real Estate Association, and our regulator, the Real Estate Council of Ontario. It was an incredible experience. Um, Learned that there's much more to real estate and its impact than the individual transaction. And uh, I think it gave me certainly a wider worldview. And over the last number of years, I've sat on 
multiple committees, task forces. I've chaired a number of committees and task forces. I joined the board a couple of years ago and was very honored, certainly, uh, to serve last year as the president-elect and uh, since the 1st of July as president of TREP. Well, I'm excited to see what you do with it because I know you are innovation-focused, and traditionally real estate has not been seen as an innovative industry. But as a leader in the space, I wonder if you can speak to some of the common misconceptions about real estate and innovation, the misconceptions. I think it's interesting that there's a sentiment that real estate isn't innovative because I would argue it's really one of the most innovative industries I can think of very early adopter to technology, early adopter to, you know, a wide range of service offerings. The, I guess, unique perspective in the real estate market is there are tons and tons and tons of business models servicing a very wide array of consumer needs and also consumer preferences. You know, certainly with younger clients, there's much more focus on technology and having access to all of the information, whereas, you know, an older clientele really looks to the realtor to, I guess, sort of distill that information down for them in a much more direct way. So, you know, looking at the real estate space and looking at, you know, real estate tech, I'd argue it's incredibly innovative. So let's jump into that because I know that technology has really revolutionized the real estate industry in the last few years, not even a half a dozen years, last two or three maybe, particularly because now historical data is available to everybody, of course, in the palm of their hands. So we've got listings, you've got sales, you've got a slew of property information. With the introduction of these products and technologies, do you think the dynamic has shifted between realtors and their clients, either buyers or sellers? And how would you say both parties have adapted? Well, I think having access to information is one part of the conversation, but just in the way that, you know, AVMs, so automated valuation models, have certainly had their challenges in our market with property types that are, you know, homogenous, where you can very easily look at one property and find an exact, direct, identical, comparable you know, next door, or in the case of a condo, above or below, you know, valuation becomes a much easier conversation. The challenge is that's not really reflective of the diverse array of properties in our market. And, you know, having statistical data certainly is helpful and sort of directs a conversation, but understanding the nuance of each property becomes all that much more important. And that's where I think, you know, experience versus inexperience becomes a more direct conversation. In the areas that I trade in, you have properties that are similar size ranges, similar lot sizes, uh, similar square footages, but there could be millions and millions of dollars in difference between the values based on, you know, unique attributes of one building versus another. When you get into condos, you know, orientation and view sight lines, what's coming in the future is really important because you may be buying something that appears to have an open sight line today, but, you know, those in the know know that that sight line's not going to be there forever. So I think that level of experience, knowledge, and also activity is key. You know, there are buildings where I've been in every single suite in the building. I know from the development standpoint, every upgrade that went into an individual suite, a nuance change to a floor plan, and all of those things can vastly impact value. So in other words, all the talk we hear about the data in an individual's hands now, particularly the millennials who want to shop, buy a house on their phone, have a car delivered from Carvana or whatever that place is called, you're saying that it gives them good information, but doesn't really give them insight. 
And that's really, I think, the difference. There's certainly been talk of what is the future of the realtor? What is the future of organized real estate? What's the future of the profession? I go to sleep very soundly at night, knowing that realtors provide incredible value to clients, and realtors will always be an integral part of the transaction. That involvement or impact may change based on the product type or based on the type of transaction that's being completed, but having that level of advice, experience, and guidance, I would never even cut my own hair, (laughs) but you know, I certainly technically have the ability. doesn't mean it's a good idea. So as you get into what is largely the most important financial transaction in your life, but also really what influences your life on a day-to-day basis more than the space in which you live. And I think when people look from that perspective, the whole DIY concept becomes less the focus and really getting strong advice and guidance is the key. Let's talk a little bit about the commercial market because the research that I've been seeing shows that with the pandemic winding down, we're seeing a real economic upswing in commercial real estate post the pandemic. Do you see innovative products and solutions that will become a necessity in the commercial space? I think from a commercial perspective, obviously we're talking about a, a huge array of product types, classes, and inventory. The one sort of trend that I'm starting to see in conversation with a number of clients who are business owners or you know business executives is a discussion that started obviously very early in the pandemic of you know, what does our physical footprint look like long-term and what do our space requirements look like and, you know, how are we going to move forward in what is largely a new world? Um, The idea of co-working spaces obviously has been an interesting concept and, you know, one that's taken off to varying degrees in different parts of the world. I think that Toronto really will remain centerized for many businesses. So looking at how people are reorienting, I have one client who has downsized the amount of space they have in a very prominent central location. And they've actually opened some satellite locations in the sort of suburban ends of the city, east, west, and north. And Funnily enough, as soon as they gave up a portion of their space in this very central location, multiple companies that were out in the West, in this case, decided to come in. And again, they changed their sort of orientation. So they've kept a footprint in the West, but they really see value in having a more central sort of pinpointed location as well. I think you're going to see a lot of change in how businesses divide their space. I think the idea of satellite locations and potentially multiple office locations as opposed to, you know, a singular corporate office will become much more common. But I think from the commercial real estate standpoint, it's going to remain a very strong market. Let's talk about management advice and sales advice because of your vast experience, you might be able to share some pretty good tips with our entrepreneurs and our techpreneurs across the country. So the art of persuasion across many industries and client services across many industries makes or breaks a business. Whether you work in real estate, a tech startup, it's crucial to know how to communicate your message in a compelling way and how to manage your clients. If there's one thing you know, Kevin, it's managing clients. So given that you've been involved in more than a billion in real estate, which again blows me away, with a vast array of clients, what advice can you give our listeners across the country about crafting a compelling sales pitch? Well, I think focusing on authenticity. The interesting part about, well, really any industry that's sort of sales focused, there's a lot of sort of salesy promotion. 
that doesn't really say much, but says many things all at the same time. I certainly know what my strengths are. One of my strengths is I'm very direct. So any advice and guidance I give, whether it be to you or to someone off the street, is the same advice I would give to my closest friend or family member. My focus in real estate has never been on the sales transaction. All of the people that I work with are committed to our working relationship. So, you know, we have contractual obligations both ways. I think that sets a different level in terms of the professional dynamic. But beyond that, I think people know that they're committed to you, you're committed to them. So that initial dating period where they're sort of getting to understand who you are and what you provide becomes really, really important. And I think really being authentic and understanding their needs listening. There's a lot of talking that occurs. The talking should not be done by you. So I spend, you know, my sort of intake period with clients really understanding what it is they're looking for because it's such a personal transaction. It's very different than, you know, selling them a pair of shoes. There's often two parties involved, sometimes many when you involve parents and relatives who may be involved or helping with the transaction. So I think it's important to understand all of their perspectives and then try and facilitate some form of consensus. So a lot of my job really is listening, trying to pick up on the sort of nuanced detail, and then coming back with a summation of what I've understood to make sure we're all on the same page. And then at that point is when my conversation begins in really providing expert advice based on past experience and market knowledge. Sales as a a market sector or as a a profession category, while the actual sale may be what leads to your compensation and technically what your sort of job focus is, the goal really is focusing on relationship and being of service. Tons of times where the transaction may not occur today, it may not occur three or five years from now based on the advice you give them, but taking a much longer and wider purview, I think is key. Kevin, do you have an elevator pitch? I really don't. A lot of my conversations start in sort of a very casual setting. So I sort of speak with all of my initial clients or prospects and suggest we meet in a sort of more casual environment for coffee. And it really ends up being a very comfortable conversation. That being said, in a small number of instances, as the coffee is sort of continued on, I've realized that some clients are definitely not a fit for me. And that's okay as well. I think people who hire professionals need to see value in the professional. And, you know, if the only conversation is sort of along the lowest common denominator around fees or what have you, I'm not your guy. So, Kevin, I'm curious, in your mind, what can entrepreneurs do to to take their client management skills to the next level? In other words, how can they deliver that wow factor to their clients? How do they become that it person? Consistency. Uh, The interesting part is there's a lot of sales training and tools and, you know, books on business and all of these sort of great options, initiatives, and services that people provide. The one thing I've noticed in real estate specifically, even if you don't have necessarily the most expansive service offering or the most expansive marketing program, as long as whatever you do, you do consistently and very well, it will always take you to the next level. So it's sort of building on blocks. Instead of looking at, you know, 10 different business opportunities, 
focus on three and really master them. Once you've mastered those sort of niches of business, add on a fourth or a fifth or a sixth. But if the infrastructure and the ability isn't there on the three, you should move forward with another opportunity or another initiative. Kevin, let's just move on a little bit into real estate technology and prop tech adoption. The whole new, everything's tech. It's fintech, prop tech, health tech. I've never seen so much tech in my life. And I know that Canada's seen amazing growth in the area of real estate tech and innovation, and prop tech's becoming even more prominent, especially due to the accelerated adoption of tech right now in real estate and construction, partly due to the pandemic, partly just because you can't not advance technology. Since 2010, Canadian prop tech companies raised more than a billion in funding, the same as your total real estate sales. Proving your value proposition always will remain a major challenge for startups. And while the real estate industry has started to embrace tech, the industry at large is traditional and can be slow to adapt. And you've kind of said that already yourself with the face-to-face coffees as opposed to grab a phone and Zoomy. What do you think startup founders need to do to earn the trust of industry professionals, any industry, and thereby see better adoption of their products and their services? Well, I think understanding that a one-size-fits-all approach doesn't work in something as niche as real estate. You know, a house is a house, but a home isn't always the same. So looking at certain technologies or innovations that have worked in the U.S., for example, there's tons of investment in tech within the U.S., all focused to real estate, much larger market, very different regulatory framework. And also, I would argue, to a large degree, very different consumer attitudes and perspectives. So I think understanding the market in which you're looking to provide a level of innovation is key. And I think really understanding the business. There's a lot of tech that has come from people who have worked cross-platform in multiple industries, but they really don't have a depth of understanding in real estate. You know, I've been approached by a number of entrepreneurs and founders of different technologies, and some of them are absolutely brilliant and definitely respond to a need. Others, conceptually, sound great, but they don't understand a lot of the nuanced detail. So I think when you're putting together an advisory group, you know, look to people who understand the business that you're looking to innovate within, and any innovation that's going to see substantial adoption needs to ultimately be solving a problem or responding to a need. So when I look around now, the different brokerages that we work within from our CA and CPA firm, I see different front desk technologies. I see different technologies to book open houses when they can book open houses. I see different technologies for confirming appointments and follow-up, etc. Do you think that the realtors themselves, the actual feet-on-the-ground realtors, are going to be able to play a hand in the digitization and innovation of the industry? Are things being bought by the brokerages and forced upon the agents? I think the unique element of real estate is every single one of us is paying to be a part of a brokerage. You know, it's a fee-based business. So, you know, we're not employees. We're all independent contractors. And while the people we interact with on a day-to-day basis, Mr. and Mrs. Homeowner, home buyer, we are the client of the brokerage. So I think brokerages have gone out of their way, especially during COVID, to really understand the needs of their clients being realtors and brokers. And I think there's certainly a lot of conversation that has occurred around, you know, where the gaps are and where the opportunities exist. So, you know, certainly 
in some elements of technology, whether it be a CRM platform or what have you. I think a lot of that is individual to each realtor's business, but there's certainly wider ranging technologies such as appointment booking services, front desk products that the decision is certainly made at the brokerage level, but it's made with a lot of input from the realtor community in that brokerage. If you were to sit back, close your eyes and fantasize, what is the one piece of prop tech or real estate tech that we need to really drive the industry even more forward that it's being driven? Is there something that comes to mind that the industry needs as a technology? Well, I think TREB really is one of the largest real estate boards in the world, really the leader in tech when it comes to MLS services. And, you know, there have been a number of announcements that have been coming out from the Toronto Regional Real Estate Board and certainly a number of additional ones that will be coming. I think TREB is really looking to create a forward-facing MLS platform that responds to some of the challenges or the innovation gaps that have existed with a lot of -of out-of-the-box products that have been available in the past. Beyond that, I think within organized real estate, one of the key elements is going to be some discussion around a unified MLS service. There's 37 real estate boards in the province of Ontario. I, as a realtor, am licensed to sell anywhere within the province of Ontario. And I'm obviously a member of the Toronto Regional Real Estate Board. I'm also a member of Oakville's Real Estate Board. And you know, there are sort of gaps in information available to people within various boards based on where listings are posted and what have you. So it's been an ongoing conversation. It's been one that's sort of amplifying over time. But I think eventually there will have to be a much more broad-based discussion within our industry about how to unify data, who is the sort of carrier that makes the most sense to unify that data, and, you know, what role does everyone play in that. I think no one would argue that local real estate boards are the backbone of our business. And I think that local representation, local knowledge, and local understanding is incredibly important. But from a a data and technology standpoint, there has to be greater linkages across the province to provide access to members' information no matter which board they're a part of. Excellent comments, and I I couldn't have said it better myself. Now, my favorite part of these episodes are our rapid-fire questions. I have a series of short questions. You're just going to be whatever comes off the top of your head. Are you ready? Okay. Condos or houses? Houses. First real job? Uh, Working in a warehouse. What kind of warehouse? I worked for a wall-covering company in their warehouse for two weeks. (laughs) Sounds like the time I worked at a cemetery for two weeks. (laughs) Favorite city that you don't live in? Cape Town, South Africa. What's one thing you never leave the house without? My briefcase. Morning person or night owl? Night owl. Favorite thing about being a real estate broker? Interacting with people. Cottage or city? Cottage. Power boat or sailboat? Power. What is one industry that will be gone in five years? Something related to manual documents. Yes, anything related to manual documents will be gone. (laughs) Kevin Krieger, president of the Toronto Regional Real Estate Board. Treb, Kevin, thank you for being a guest on the Movers and Shakers podcast. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure. And until next time, I'm Robert Gold, managing partner at Benegold LLP, chartered accountants and CPAs in Toronto. If you want to see how authentic we are, check us out at benegold.ca. See you next time in the morning, everyone, and good night, Snowflake, Manitoba. And that's a wrap for this episode of the DMZ Movers and Shakers podcast. 
Make sure you subscribe and follow our podcast so you never miss an episode. You can also visit us at dmz.ryerson.ca for more tips and tools designed to support your business. Until next time.